Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. All right, everyone, welcome to the Sports Rivals. For Ernie, I'm Monty. Two avid sports fans ready to talk sports. And of course, Ernie, week two of the NFL is coming to a conclusion today. We're going to jump in to a lot of NFL talk, including our picks and our top five, which is coming up. But first, Ernie, let's start with a wild week two. I mean, some of these games were just unbelievable comebacks. But let's start first, of course, with your Pittsburgh Steelers. What were your thoughts on today's 17-14 loss to the Patriots? It it was brutal. It was... Uh, the offense was was terrible. The chance for for Kenny Pickett came in the third quarter, and and I w- I'm an advocate for Trubisky, and I really don't think that because it's a short week they play on Thursday night football that the transition is going to happen this week. Uh, but if he continues uh, his play, uh, his conservative play, not uh, not seeing the wide receivers the way it the uh, it is. Uh, a change needs to be happened because the ineptness of the Pittsburgh Steelers offense uh, is their downfall. I mean, geez, you, uh, last week you barely beat the Cincinnati Bengals who fell today against a Dallas Cowboys team that didn't have their quarterback, uh, you know, and you had a five, again, a five turnover margin and you barely beat them. And, and today against the New England pa- Patriots, who struggled last? Who basically struggled last week against the My, uh, Miami Dolphins? Uh, looked a lot better and made their fans a lot better. Uh, just to go over game over the game, uh, I believe that the pivotal point of the game was when uh, Gunnar Olszewski muffed the punt, gave the short field of twenty yards to the New England Patriots. They in turn converted. You know, for a touchdown, you know, and in a game that's this low scoring, I mean, that was basically it for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, it, it, I saw no comeback. The line, as far as the rushing is concerned, uh, just reminds me everything of last year. Najee was continuously hit behind the backfield. Uh, it's a sad day if you're a Steelers fan. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know what, Ernie? I, I totally agree. I think the difference between being used to Big Ben for the last few years, even in his down, even when he was starting to slide already, he was always aggressive and he always gave his receivers a chance. Mm-hmm. And from what I saw, and I didn't watch the game, I was watching more red zone than, than, you know, uh, than anything. And with a game so low scoring, you're not going to see a whole lot. But when they did break away, you know, I saw the, the chance for Kenny, Kenny, Kenny really happened when it was like a third and 10. And he had all kinds of times. And then he ended up dumping it to the running back for like a two-yard gain, and then they had to punt. And that's when I heard, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. Trubisky has to give his talented receivers a chance. I mean, maybe he's going to throw some picks. But at this particular point, I think he has to throw the ball downfield, make use of Pickens and his height and speed, and Claypool and his height and speed. He's relying a lot on uh, on Deontay Johnson, who has great hands. And then when you get close, it's Freermuth. But yeah, I mean, I 
it's painful for me because I had the Steelers as one of my two picks and that's a loser for me today. So that's two straight weeks. We'll get into this later. That's two straight weeks I went one-on-one. When we recorded last week, I was so excited that I was going to go 2-0 and because, of course, the Broncos were going to beat the Seahawks. Not. That didn't happen. And I really thought, even without TJ Watt, and I don't think TJ Watt not playing is the reason they lost today. It's Again, it comes down to the offense. I, I think it's part of the reason that they lost. Last week, they had seven sacks. This is the first time that I can remember in recent memory where the Pittsburgh Steelers defense did not have a sack. On top of that, they dropped two interceptions. They should have had three interceptions today. I guess that's just the law of average, but I think T.J. Watt makes that much of it. If T.J. Watt played today, I believe the Pittsburgh Steelers wins. Just for the record, in five games that T.J. Watt has not played with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 0-5. So hold your breath, Steelers fans, because you're not going to be seeing him for the next three weeks at the earliest. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully they're going to bounce back. Now, Ernie, the great thing about the loss, if there's anything, is that the entire division lost today. Hallelujah. Two of them in ugly fashion. So let, let's start first with the Bengals, and, and then we'll get to the two more dramatic losses uh, <laughs> that I'm, I'm sure you really relish in. <laughs> but the Bengals, I expected them to go down to Dallas and bounce back. But Ernie, what one thing's becoming obvious that that offensive line that we thought they had fixed throwing 60 million dollars at three free agents in the offseason have not yet gelled no, at best not, not he at was all. taking a pounding today again last week you have tj watt leading the charge today you have micah parsons leading the charge but at the end of the day they have to find a way to protect joe burrow uh, and they couldn't do it exactly. and then early on cooper rush looked like the better quarterback than dak prescott he was moving them um, and he did enough when they needed to and dallas pulls off a victory 20 to 17 sending last year's super bowl afc champ Bengals and your predicted super bowl champion of the of this season mm-hmm. to zero and two zero and two which That's- is which is surprising not shocking but surprising it is surprising because we are everybody probably thought that okay you know Dak Prescott is gone here comes the downfall of the Dallas Cowboys including myself Cooper Rush played not a not a great game but better than expected he really didn't make a mistake you know over to over 200 yards one touchdown no interception the fifth year pro out of Central Michigan did better than expected. On top of that, Ezekiel Elliott played a very efficient game, 15 rushes, 53 yards. CeeDee Lamb had his breakout game that I really expected last week, seven catches for 75 yards. They had a halftime lead of 17-3 and hold on to beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati has has a tremendous comeback, tying it in the fourth quarter. Dallas gets the ball last 50-yard field goal as time expires. Cincinnati goes down. As far as my prediction for Cincinnati winning the Super Bowl, the last team that went 0-2 and won the Super Bowl, the 2002 New England Patriots. I really don't want Cincinnati. You know what? I'm on the fence with this Super Bowl pick. <laughs> if they don't make the Super Bowl, I could care less. I'll, I'll, take, that, I'll take that bump. Well, you know what? I mean, no one... It's been 18 years since a team started 0-2 and even made the playoffs. 18 years since that has happened. So they have an uphill battle. But let's talk about if Ernie and I are here in Hawaii, and if you're in Hawaii, you are a Tua Tungavailoa fan, and today's breakout game against the, the Baltimore Ravens, for Ernie especially, is like a double blessing. One, the Ravens lose. 
two Tua goals for 469 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. He threw for 200 yards and four touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone, rallying the, the Dolphins from a 35-14 deficit to a 42-38 win with a final touchdown to Jalen Waddle there with about 12 seconds left in the game. Despite Lamar Jackson's heroics uh, early in the game, three touchdown passes in the first half, 119 yards rushing, including a 79-yard run that seemed to put the game out of reach at 35-14 to leads the Dolphins back. But how does Tyree Kill get that open two <laughs> times in a row on deep passes? It was it was a comedy of errors in the defensive backfield for the Ravens. Your thoughts? I mean, just between him and Jalen Waddle, I mean, you're talking about 22 catches, over 360 yards between the two of them, four touchdowns. Miami scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. I, I, I don't know. I can't remember the last time a Baltimore Ravens defense allowed 28 points. I mean, 28 points and a half is something. 28 points in the fourth quarter, which Miami produced, was, was incredible. Mark Andrews did well. J.K. Dobbins was missing. He was out for the game. It didn't matter. Uh, you know what? You know what? The Ravens did all they could. All they could in regards to winning this game. I believe they just relaxed. I believe they relaxed. They got a good game out of uh, Lamar. Uh, Lamar had a great game. I mean, 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing. And I believe they relaxed. And that's how Miami came back and stunned them, gave them a shocker. Well, you know what? That's a common theme in a number of games today. You get out to a big lead, and then once momentum changes, momentum is a crazy thing, and it has a tremendous impact. And you're right. There's no doubt. 35-14 going to the fourth quarter, 79-yard run seems to put it out of reach. I think the Ravens thought this game is in the bag. Um but Tua and the Dolphins had other plans, and they go to 2-0. and The Ravens drop to 1-1, and and then let's shift to the Cleveland Browns. They go up <laughs> 30 to 17. They miss an extra point. They scored a touchdown with a minute and 22 seconds left to go up by two touchdowns. The Jets have no timeouts. You're thinking this game is a wrap. The Jets gave it all that they could. And then this happens. Corey Davis is wide open. Nobody around him walks in uh, with a 64-yard touchdown to make it a six-point game. And then an unbelievable onside onside kick kick. where he shifts his hips and and perfectly kicks the ball. The Jets recover and Flacco hits Garrett Wilson, the first round pick with a touchdown. 31-30, the Jets shock the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I mean, mean, for really lightning in the last uh, two minutes plus in that game, I believe it was three touchdowns scored in that that span. Could have been fourth. Brissette... Uh, stops his field goal attempt at the end by throwing in an interception, uh, therefore ending the game. But yeah, I love the Jets. They beat the Brownies. You know, the Jets are so lovable. I mean, you, I, I always find myself cheering for them, and it's usually a futile effort. But but wow, it was a massive celebration, and Flacco getting the job done. I mean, he he did decently uh, last, last week. week. But he was superb today down the stretch. No doubt. Minute 22 seconds left. The Browns thought the game was over. And you just can't do that in the NFL. Exactly. These teams and players are too good. And if one team doesn't try, 
the other team can certainly come back. So the AFC North, the Steelers still right there, one and one with with, uh, with the Browns and the Ravens yeah, and the, the Bengals, zero and two. Um, that's crazy. That is crazy. Again, gang, you're listening to the Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. And Ernie, let's shift to the AFC South where the Jacksonville Jaguars continued their domination of the Indianapolis Colts. So, Ernie, through two weeks, I think the Colts, for me, are probably, even if the Bengals are 0-2, I think there are reasons for that. Colts, for me, with games at the Texans and at the Jags, are the most disappointing teams so far to start. They're mm-hmm. 0-1-1 after getting humiliated again in Jacksonville today. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's crazy, right? I mean, the... This played right into the Jaguars' uh, game plan. I mean, they got out into an early lead, therefore negating Jonathan Taylor's, uh, you know, prowess. I mean, he only had nine carries, albeit 54 yards, a good, a good yard per carry on top of the average. But Matt Ryan, three interceptions, you know, uh, helping the Jaguars build that lead. Uh, Jaguars defense played handily. I mean, they were in the Colts' backfield producing five sacks uh, for basically the, that game. On the other hand, Indy's defense, which I thought it was going to be a lot better, still struggling. They, they couldn't put the pressure last week against Houston. This week, the same thing. Zero sacks uh, on the Jaguars' quarterback. Uh, it, w- it, was a, it was basically terrible. I mean, so... You know, with the combination of Matt Ryan throwing the three interception, Jonathan Taylor only amounting 54 yards, you know, Lawrence was able to, you know, do his regular thing. 235 yards, two touchdowns, no mistakes, no interceptions. Colts down, zero. Jags. 24. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a humiliating loss. I mean, I think it's just the way that they've been playing. And I think when you have you have to honestly take a look at this and be like, was it really Carson Wentz's fault? I mean, I think there were such high hopes with Matt Ryan going there, but Matt Ryan is simply not getting the job done so far. Now, granted, they're missing some key pieces. Michael Pittman, their leading wide receiver, did not play today. Uh, you know, Shaquille Leonard, formerly Darius Leonard, now Shaquille Leonard, has not played yet. Um, so they're missing some pieces but still i think the Colts came looked at the schedule and thought texans and jags we've got to be 2-0 and after this oh, and they're two. not oh, two. they're 0-2 oh, now granted again you have a situation where the jaguars are now one and one you have the titans that are 0-1 going to buffalo on monday night probably going to be 0-2 so it's not like they're out of it by any stretch of the imagination um and then the texans the texans are now 0-1-1 as well as they go to denver And again, Ernie, let's transition to this game. Russell Wilson and that offense continue to struggle. Struggle. You know, they scored 16 points his first game in Denver, and the Boo Birds were out at around halftime because they could get nothing done. I don't know if those boos were targeted to Russell Wilson or Nathaniel Hackett, who's had a tough time as an offensive coach the first two weeks. They barely escaped with a 16-9 win over the Texans. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of field goals, this is basically the game of you. wasn't until the later part of this game that... You know, Denver was able to get that, that, that uh, you know, their first touchdowns. But it was basically back and forth. Russell Wilson really not, uh, not lighting it up. I mean, he made some good plays. So you see the flash there. I have a feeling that this is something that he has to build the chemistry with this particular offense. Uh, Javante Williams, I thought they should have ran him more. He was having a good day. Uh, Cortland Sutton also having a good day for the Broncos. 
But what was missing, I thought, was Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, one catch for 11 yards. He's got to step up in that capacity. Well, with Jerry Judy, though, he went down in the first half, never came back. He injured his shoulder. And I think that's part of the problem. You lost Tim Patrick in the preseason. You lost Jerry Judy in the first half. You lost KJ Hamler last week. He didn't play today. So all of that was on was on Corton Sutton. But Russell Wilson, 14 for 31 for 219 yards. You know, one touchdown, one interception. I, I agree. I think for now, you know, especially with the wide receivers down, I think you want to have the ambition of Russell Wilson's coming. We want to have an explosive offense. But Javante Williams is a stud. You know, give the guy the rock. That's two weeks in a row that I think they should have given him the ball a little bit more. It doesn't help that he's on my fantasy team, so I really wanted to have the rock a little bit more. But, But he is being productive. The one mistake he made was a fumble at the goal line last week, you know, against the Seattle Seahawks. But other than that... Five yards of carry today. He was over five yards of carry last week. Uh, give the guy the ball until we can get the wide receivers healthy. But the but the Broncos survived to go to one and one. So Ernie, if you remember on Thursday night in the game of the, of the week, probably mm-hmm. the Chiefs and Chargers. The Chiefs hang on and beat the Chargers. And more importantly, Justin Herbert gets slammed to the ground. Has a a fractured rib cartilage which i'm no doctor but i didn't know your cartilage could fracture but in his case it did Mm -hmm. um so there it's a blessing that they played on a thursday it's still questionable if he's going to be able to play next week but i think the chargers dodged the bullet because justin herbert with that injury threw a couple of bb's at the end of the game that was just unbelievable but you have the chiefs now at two and all the chargers are at one and one the broncos are at one and one and then the, the another major game the raiders dominating the cardinals for most of the game up 23 to 7 in the second half suddenly they allow two touchdowns and two two-point conversions to send the game into overtime where Hunter ran for fumbles for a scoop and score the other direction. The Cardinals' miraculous comeback, another one, 29-23. Yeah, I mean, this is a tale of two halves. I mean, I mean, the Raiders, they had the first half. They definitely gave it away in the second half. Uh, Kyler Murray coming it back. I mean, the their running backs, really, they were sharing it. Connors, Williams... You know, Kyler Murray himself and Benjamin accounted for 28 rushes, 143 yards. So they did it by committee. And, you know, Zach Ertz uh, coming into his own again, uh, reacclimating himself into that offense. But the big thing, the big turnaround on top of this in overtime was the 59-yard fumble return for the touchdown. I think the Raiders were were marching on top of that. They they look. I thought they were going to be the ones to win this in overtime. That turnover at the end was... Literally ended the game. Yeah. I mean, they're at the 38. They're in field goal range or close to field goal range. Uh, Arizona had the ball first. They didn't make it on fourth down. So all they needed was a field goal to end this. And they're able to strip the ball from Hunter Renfro, his second fumble of the game, and scoop and score. So that means that the Raiders now, after two hard-fought games, are 0-2. And I thought that they were going to be in a better position... um, after two games Derek Carr had a pretty good game I mean he was 25 of 39 252 two touchdowns no picks 
But I think their offense is not quite yet what was expected with Josh McDaniels going there. Um, they've had some duress last week. It was a it was a sack party with Mac and Bosa at Carr's feet, and, and for some reason their offense completely stagnated in the second half. The Raiders dropped to zero and two, and we just referenced this with the Bengals. No team has made the playoffs in eighteen years that started the year zero and two. So. The Raiders are in a must-win situation already, headed to week three. And the big turnaround on top of that is Devontae Adams. I know he didn't get hurt because I saw him playing in the second half. Two catches, 12 yards, albeit one being the touchdown. That was early part of it. That was on their opening drive. They got the touchdowns. After that, he was missing in action for the entire game. Great game plan as far as the defense is concerned from the cards. That's how they were able to get back in the game. But if the Raiders are able to want to come back this season... That acquisition of Devontae Adams needs to be put in place. He needs to be an integral part of that offense for them to have success. I I, I completely agree. I mean, what a difference from the Cardinals last week to this week defensively. I mean, everybody on on the chief team last week did whatever they wanted on the way to 44 points. And then this week, they're finding a way to strip the ball from Hunter Renfro twice and to hold Devontae Adams to two catches for 12 yards. You got to give tip your cap to, to the Arizona Cardinals bouncing back. Now, hopefully by next week, they're going to be on a high, so they're going to be very bad <laughs> next week when the Rams come into town. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and transition to the NFC a little bit, Ernie. And again, gang, you're listening to the Sports Rivals with Ernie and Monty. I'm going to start with my Rams. Another instance of a team jumping to a big lead and literally almost blowing it. I mean, hanging on for dear life. And again... Where there are limits to the homerism to Hawaii kids, so we were. I was cheering for Marcus when we were up by thirty-one to ten. But towards the end, Ernie was still cheering for Marcus. I didn't. I was hoping that Marcus would do something wrong, <laughs> and he did. And inevitably, he, he did. did. But again, Ernie, let me let me break this down for my Rams. I think they started off really well. Stafford was ten for ten. They got a touchdown early to Allen Robinson. They got a running touchdown. Um, He was perfect until he threw an interception in the end zone. We get the ball right back and we score before the half. So the Rams go into the halftime at 24 uh, to 3. They get up 31 to 10 on another touchdown to Cooper Cup, who had another fantastic game. And then from that point on, the Rams tried desperately to give it away, similar to what we did with Tampa Bay in the playoffs last year. Another interception for Stafford which leads directly to a touchdown for the Falcons. That's five interceptions now in two games for Matt Stafford. That is too much. Then we have a punt block for a touchdown where the guy comes right up the middle to block it, but the punters seem to be taking like four or five seconds to punt the ball. That goes for a score. Then we get the ball back and Cooper Cup fumbles the ball and the Falcons have a chance before Mariota throws an interception to Jalen Ramsey and the Rams hang on for dear life. This game did not need to be this close, but the Rams (laughs) took the pedal off the metal. And again, they almost paid the ultimate price, like the Ravens, like the Browns and and like the Cowboys and the Raiders, you know, did with big leads and, and getting it. Well, with the Cowboys, they found a way to still win. But the other three lost and the Rams nearly did the same. Yeah. It was it was incredible. I thought this was going to be uh, like a 20-point blowout. But, yeah, you, like, like you just said, I mean, the Rams uh, didn't smell the blood. Like I mentioned, I mean, the great teams, when they smell blood, they know how to close it out. They Rams right now didn't. And I'm going to 
point one thing on Aaron Donald. He just got his contract. He's been missing in action the last six quarters. I mean, what what did he have? He had no sacks today, two tackles for the game. Uh, I expect a lot more from that man. Yeah, I mean, our leaders, just just in general, our defensive leaders, Jalen Ramsey continues to get torched. He did make that one big interception to save the game, but he gave up a touchdown to Drake London. He's continued. I think the fear factor of going at Jalen Ramsey is completely gone. Now, whether it's the type of defense that the Rams are playing or what, uh, but Jalen Ramsey has not had the best first two weeks, certainly. And I think Aaron Donald is still pacing himself because he's not the Aaron Donald no, he's that we know through the first two games. So the Rams find a way to get it done. At the end of the day, like Sean McVay always says, a win is a win. And in this league, you can't overlook anyone. You have to appreciate every win. And I'm grateful that the Rams are now one and one tied with the Cardinals, tied with the Seahawks, tied with the 49ers after what was really the heartbreaking part of the day. It was, it was. Trey Lance in the first quarter gruesomely breaks his ankle. Surgery required out for the season. Um, But when you have Jimmy Garoppolo there, I almost think now nobody wants anyone to be injured. And I think everyone's hearts and prayers are with Trey Lance. But I almost sense that from the fan standpoint... They were happy Jimmy G was back on that field taking charge. And and they dominated today. They dominated. They dominated the Seahawks, what I expected the Broncos to do last week when they didn't get that job done. The 49ers did it today, and they romped Seattle. Yeah, I think whomever they had out there, Trey Lance didn't get injured. I think they still would have romped. I mean, there there were a couple of plays that uh, Garoppolo was in there where it called for uh, mobility, albeit Garoppolo does have the mobility. Lance is just on a different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that injury killed it for him. But hats off to the management for re-signing Garoppolo. This is a godsend for him. I think, I, I mean, boy, a, a big sigh of relief in regards to him staying with the San Francisco 49ers. All those people who were saying that they should trade him for draft picks, boy, are they taking their words back right now because... If San Francisco is going to go anywhere, and I picked them to be a Super Bowl uh, participant, Garoppolo is going to have to play great. No, I completely agree. And, and so they're one and one now. So, so the uh, NFC West had a terrible week last week. They bounced back. Everyone's at one and one um, heading into week three. The Green Bay Packers, another team that has bounced back. They just finished off the Chicago Bears, twenty-seven to ten. A relatively impressive bounce back game. I think it's to be expected. The Aaron Rodgers has the Chicago Bears number. The Bears made it close. They got stopped at like the one inch line. Ernie still believes I that, think it was that Justin down. Fields got in there because, <laughs> because that would have helped his pick uh, of the Chicago Bears plus the points. But the Packers do bounce back. So they go to one and one. Of course, the Vikings and the, and the uh, Eagles play tomorrow night. But the Detroit Lions, Ernie, the Detroit Lions one today putting up 30 plus points again knocking again. off the commanders and jared goff jared goff is just turning heads uh as, as far as this year is concerned i mean he's to me he he is out dueling matt stafford at this point right now jared goff six touchdowns one interception on the year with matt stafford Four touchdowns, five interceptions on top of the year. Definitely. (laughs) So, so, you know, hats off. I said this earlier. I mean, the Detroit Lions during the second half of last season really made it a pain in the neck for a lot of NFL teams during the second half. I think this is 
you know, of more things to come. And those of you who listen to our fantasy football game, I mean, fantasy football podcast, I mentioned one of these sleeper picks. Amon Ross St. Brown, I said, take a look at that guy. Today, nine catches, 116 yards, two touchdowns. So if you picked him, I told you so. And then 68 <laughs> yards rushing as well for, for Amon Ross St. Brown. So a great win for the Detroit Lions. You know, just like I think... If, if you don't care, like I said, the Jets, you almost find yourself cheering for them because they're, you just want them to do well. Same with the Detroit Lions. You know, I'm always finding myself cheering for them. They play with so much effort and so much resilience, and their offense is clicking. This is two straight games of 30-plus points yeah. against the Eagles first and now the Commanders, and the final score was not indicative of how this game went. I mean, the Lions had this game under control, but like everyone else, they allowed the commanders to kind of get back in there. But to their credit, every time the commanders got within one score, the Lions went right down and scored again. And they did that twice. So the Lions go to one and one. They didn't win their first game till like week 11 or 12 last year. So they are 10 weeks ahead of where they were last year. And don't look now, but I think the Detroit Lions could win six to eight games this year uh, if things fall into place and they can stay healthy. But good for you, Detroit. 36 27. So that Ernie, that really wraps up. And again, gang, you're listening to the Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie. That kind of ra- recaps everything that happened today. Of course, tomorrow night, Minnesota at, at the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. That's one of the games that you have as your second pick. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts as we go into to next week? It's still uh, into tomorrow night. It's still a one and a half point spread for the Eagles. Are the Vikings going to go down there and knock them off? I, I, I believe so. I like the play of Justin Jefferson, man. That guy is just quick. And I think he showed it last week, catching nine balls for 184 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Thielen really wasn't... Uh, you know, in, into that game. He wasn't really on all cylinders. I believe with Thielen has a, a better game and, you know, Kurt Cousins does his Kurt Cousins things with, with his two toys over, over there. I just don't think Jalen Hurts can keep up, even though he, he's got a do, you know, he's got Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, two impressive weapons as they are. I just think Kurt Cousins as a passer, is better, and I don't think Jalen Hurts' rushing prowess will work as well against the Vikings' defense. He rushed for 90 yards the, the week prior. I think that really helped open up the game. Uh, they had to spy him. I think they put a linebacker or a safety in the middle watching Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts doesn't have that success. I still like the pick of my of the Vikings over the Eagles plus the two. And you know what? I, I don't have a strong opinion on this game. I think it's going to be a fascinating game. I think one of the things that is the important thing to look at is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins historically, not historically, factually, is 2-9 and nine on Monday nights. Big games, singular games, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, he tends to really struggle. So this will be a good test to see how he responds. Not saying that he has to win the game, um, although he would go to 2-10 and 10 if he didn't, but just how does he respond to this environment? If the Vikings are going to go where they want to go this year, he's got to win some of these big games. So tomorrow night is going to be a fascinating tale of, of Jalen Hurts and the way that the Philadelphia Eagles are able to continually score 30 points or more despite the fact that they're predominantly a rushing team. Yet last year, Ernie, they led the league in explosive plays, meaning yards of 20 yards 
plays of 20 yards or more. They had 121 last year as a running team. So they find a way to get things done on the ground. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I expect it to be again 31 28 35 31 in some way shape or form um but if the vikings can win they'd go to 2-0 and and they'd have a leg up on the green bay packers especially since they beat them Mm -hmm. how do you like the second game titans bills you know i think the titans are the bills have some injuries there's a number of defensive linemen that's not going to play the titans have some injuries uh, as well I just don't see it. I, I don't see, you know, the the Bills have had from Thursday to Monday. So they have 11 days between games. It's almost like a bye week. Um, so I think the Bills are going to respond at home on Monday night. I think they roll. I think they roll the Titans by double digits. I think it's going to be a lot closer. Uh, I mean, uh, Gabriel Davis is questionable. So mm-hmm. we're, that's going to be a game time decision. Ed Oliver is out their defensive tackle for the Bills. And I really believe the difference between the uh, the Titans and uh, the Rams, uh, who the Bills beat in in Week One, is going to be that prep, is going to be the Titans' pass rush to see if uh, they can put pressure on Josh, Josh Allen. Uh, so can Danico Autry and Bud Dupree, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers, put that pressure on? I, I, I saw that in the first week. I thought both of them were were playing outstanding. Uh, Derrick Henry, I don't see him going two straight weeks without a touchdown. I think he scores in this game. Uh, Tannehill, he'll be a, he'll, he won't be spectacular. He's not he's not going to outduel Josh Allen. Josh Allen is Josh Allen. But I believe if the Tennessee Titans can contain the Bills, where the Bills do not get out into a big early double digit lead, that they can keep it close. I still think the Bills will win at the end. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a blow. I don't think it's going to be a blow because of the way the Titans play football. They're a time-consuming offense. Uh, although the Bills can do it in a, in in a snap, I just got a cut a, a gut feeling that there's going to be turnovers in that situation. Well, the Bills turned it over four times last week against my Rams, so maybe I'm just having a bias because I saw what they did to the Rams <laughs> last week, just dominating them, and then I've kind of seen what the Titans have become. Derrick Henry is going to have to have a monster game for this game to be close. And if they can find a way to control him and force Tannehill to beat them when you have all that pass rush coming. Um, and let's not forget, the Bills were able to get due to the Rams last week what they did with only the four guys uh, down low. So it's going to be interesting. I, I, I believe the Bills win by double digits, but the Titans, they're scrappy. They're headstrong, Vrabel-led team. So they could keep it close. Um, I think the Bulls prevail and pull it out. So again, gang, it's the Sports Rival with Ernie and Monty. We're going to transition into our top five before we get into our picks for next week. So Ernie, I'll go first this week. Um, And I think I'm going to surprise you here. So last weekend, if you remember, for me, it was the Bills, the Chiefs, the Chargers, Tampa Bay, and the Baltimore Ravens. The Chargers lost, the Ravens lost, so they're out. Now, Bills are still number one for me, assuming that they're going to win tomorrow. I don't think they've done anything. Obviously, they haven't played. The Chiefs are number two, although they sold some vulnerability against the Chargers. And I think if you watch that game, by the end of the season, you can see that the Chargers have the better personnel. I mean, I think defensively, Duran James is a beast. But the Chiefs won. And until you beat them, they're always going to be at the top for me. Tampa Bay is number three for me. Um, Again, they struggled offensively again today. You know, it was a, a... 
drag out game and they found a way to pull it off when Jameis became Jameis yep, three, again throwing three, three consecutive interceptions, interceptions yep. including a pick six uh, so Tampa Bay has given up a total well now they scored a touchdown late so they've given up they've scored they've given up 13 points all year their defense is playing unbelievably well I have the Vikings still at number four again they have not played yet so this could change in the event that they lose but I'm going on the assumption that you're right and they're going to find a way to pull it off tomorrow. I think they just have a great deep team. I have them at number four. And number five is a one-loss team. Uh, I believe that the events of today make them a favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. And that is the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. I believe Garoppolo coming back is what the 49ers needed to become a Super Bowl caliber team. I thought that Trey Lance was going to be the question mark. Maybe he excelled. I think Garoppolo, you're going to know what you're going to get. And I think that they're going to go on a run. Their defense has dominated two Mm -hmm. straight weeks. Granted, it was the Bears last week and it's the Seahawks this week, but they have dominated the first two weeks. So I like the, the 49ers at number five as much as that pains me to say that (laughs) Um, so for me it's the Bills the Chiefs Tampa Bay the Vikings and San Francisco obviously things could change if the Bills and the Vikings go down tomorrow but for now Ernie that's my top five as it currently stands what about you okay well I'm gonna start off last week I had Buffalo Kansas City Minnesota Baltimore and the Chargers this week I'm gonna put Kansas City at number one a 2-0 team has to have more press has to have more points than a team who is one and all albeit they, they that could change tomorrow as of today i have kansas city at number one uh they've been playing they played lights out a uh, week one week two it was a uh shootout against a very good la chargers team uh again it, 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 it's between kansas city and buffalo buffalo can redeem itself get that uh number one slot if they win tomorrow but they're number two for, Two for me. My number three is the Miami Dolphins. That defense, that defense is 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 pretty good. And combined with that offense, not many teams out there can score twenty eight points in one quarter. That tells me something. So if you put that defense with that offense, and right now they're two and zero, they gotta be my number three team. My number four team is Minnesota. Again, it has yet to be shown that uh, they're going to be 2-0. Right now, they're 1-0. I had the number three Miami vaults over them, thereby putting them at number four. My number five team is going to be Tampa Bay. I don't feel that they're going to be a team that's going to be up there towards the ending of the year. They're really not impressing me uh, this early in the season, other than the fact that they've been beating on lackluster teams. I really think if... Jameis Winston doesn't throw those three interceptions that the New Orleans Saints actually upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but that didn't happen today. Uh, like you said, Jameis became Jameis. The, you know, the carriage turned into a pumpkin and Tampa Bay prevails. Being that they're 2-0 with, their, with Tom Brady at the helm, 
they're my number five team. Okay, so again, I think the only difference really being is that you have the, the Dolphins in there. And I really thought hard about putting the Dolphins in there. Um, but I need to, as much as I love Tua and I was so happy about the result today, I need to see it one more week before I'm ready to jump on the bandwagon. Um, and I have San Francisco back in there because I think San Francisco would not have lost last week had Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo been playing. And I just think he's a difference maker. Now, granted, if he gets hurt, all bets are off. Then they're, they'll have no quarterback mm-hmm. um but i think for now i have them there so i like your top five i mean i certainly like the dolphins better than i like the 49ers <laughs> but you gotta be objective right gang you gotta be objective here so i have the 49ers there uh hopefully things go south for them now let's go into our our picks so for me gang if you remember um Last week, I had the Steelers plus one and a half against New England, loser. And I had the Giants minus two and a half over Carolina, barely a winner as the Giants cover um, winning by three points. Ernie has the Vikings again. That's tomorrow night. And then he had the Bears plus 10. So, Ernie, why don't you go first? What are you looking at for next week? Because Early on, I'm looking at the spreads and I'm like, this is a pretty tough week coming it, up next week. It is. So I'm curious to see what you have right now. I'm going, I'm going to put my faith in the, the AFC North and it's not the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to, I'm going to be put, uh, picking two teams within that division to, you know, hopefully, uh, bounce back well they're gonna have to bounce back i it's not that i hope that they bounce back i feel that they're gonna bounce back <laughs> so i i the zero and two cincinnati bengals versus going to the new york jets cincinnati as of today is is a four and a half point favorite the jets don't really have a pass rush i mean they re, they really didn't show me that they had a pass rush they allowed for 184 rushing yards today and I don't believe that Flacco, who has six touchdowns and one interception to start the first two weeks of the season, is that good to throw six touchdowns and one interception. I think he comes back to uh, you know, comes back down to earth, and I believe that defense allows allows Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals to regain their confidence in that offense and blow the Jets away so take I have the Jets uh, lose uh, you know I have the since I'm sorry I have the Cincinnati Bengals four and a half points over the New York Jets okay for, for my second for my second uh, pick I'm going with Baltimore at New England Patriots uh, I'm going this because the they have the common opponent of the Miami Dolphins involved. New England played Miami uh, week one, lost. Baltimore played Miami week two, lost, albeit the 28.4th quarter. I believe the first three quarters of Baltimore is the real Baltimore. I don't believe that New England can score 28 points and a half, let alone a quarter. Take Baltimore minus three. 
All right, Ernie. So I love your picks. And, and gang, I should have gone first because I also had the Ravens as one of my two picks. So I'm going to go ahead and pick a another substitute team. But I completely agree with Ernie. I think the Bengals are going to be desperate. I think they go into New York and they're going to have to figure it out. I believe they cover that spread pretty easily, um, despite the fact that I love the Jets and, the, and their resiliency. And then the Ravens. I'm just not a believer in the Patriots offense. Mm-hmm. I'm just not. The, the Dolphins shut them down. The Steelers, of course, even without TJ Watt, essentially shut them down. If it wasn't for the fumbled punt, you know, lucky if they score more than 10 points. Right. Um, I'm just not a believer, and the Ravens can score at will so far. They just took the pedal off the metal, I believe. I don't think the Patriots can keep up with the Ravens scoring. So I love your Baltimore selection as well, obviously. So for me, I have to pick two other games. And then this is where <laughs> this is where I'm going to go. The first one I'm going to pick, because I'm on this 49er kick today, I believe they're going to go into Denver as a two-and-a-half-point underdog and knock off the Denver Broncos. I think the Denver injuries are really starting to be a problem. Uh, With Jerry Judy out, Patrick Sertain got hurt today as well. So you eliminate him. They're down to one competent receiver with Cortland Sutton. And that defensive line, because Russell Wilson was getting pressured by the Seahawks. Again, he was getting pressured by the Texans. That line with Nick Bosa and crew, they're going to get to Russell Wilson. I think this will be a relatively low-scoring game, but I think the 49ers go into Denver and make it two in a row to go in two and one and drop the Broncos to one and two. That's kind of where I'm leaning on the first one. And then the second one, I hope I'm wrong with this one, but there are certain teams that have other teams' numbers, and the Buffalo Bills have dominated the Miami Dolphins for the last couple of years. Tua Tonga-Vailoa has by far his worst games against the Buffalo Bills. So right now the Buffalo Bills are laying four and a half going down to Miami next week. I believe the Buffalo Bills find a way to cover that four and a half point spread. Although I would love for Tua and the Dolphins to go to three and oh, I think Buffalo goes down there. They just find a way And it's not even close games. They romp the Dolphins almost every time. So I hope it doesn't happen this time. But for now, with the fact that the Raven and the Bengals picks are already off the board, I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills laying the four and a half. I like those picks. Uh, Although I think the Buffalo game versus Miami, if the Miami defense shows up, and they do have the personnel to contain Buffalo. That might be a lot closer than the four and a half. But like you said, right now, the way it stands, uh, if a gun were pointed to my head, I would take Buffalo plus the four. And that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, right now, gang, there's really no line on the Tampa Bay-Green Bay game. That's another one that depending where the line comes out, I may go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers there. There's no line on the Bears game yet. Um, So that game's out of the equation. So this is where we're going to go. Ravens. Minus three at New England. Bengals minus four and a half over the Jets. Ernie going with two AFC North favorites after sticking with the underdogs for the first two weeks. And for me, Buffalo lane four and a half at Miami and the 49ers plus two and a half at Denver. Although I probably expect that line to change. So before I get into my closing thought, I would be remiss if I didn't brag about my Dodgers again. They're now 101 and 44. They clinched the division title and became the fastest team to 100 wins in 44 years. Wow. Now, getting to that point, they're still they just swept the Giants over the weekend. They're now 101 and 44. Aaron Judge is now 
this close, if you guys can see my fingers, to winning a triple crown. Two more home runs today. He now has 59 home runs. Four hits today to go to 316. He's only one percentage point behind the leader who's at 317 and 127 RBIs. Aaron Judge is having one of the greatest baseball offensive seasons in recent memory, if not history, as he now is the leading home run hitter for a right-handed batter in American League history, only two behind Roger Maris at 61. So Aaron Judge, to me, is the unanimous MVP Despite the fact that Shohei Otani is still doing miracles as a pitcher and a hitter, I think this season by Aaron Judge, he could be the triple count winner, is just remarkable. I and I know as a Red Sox fan, you agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a Red I am a Celtic <laughs> fan, but I am not... I am not a Red Sox fan. Ernie is a Cardinal fan, <laughs> but any time to... Take a shot. We take a shot. Okay, so I'm going to transition into my my closing thought, and today I'm going to talk college football. I mean, another big big uh, weekend over the weekend. Good weekend for the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Bounce back with Oregon romping BYU, Washington romping uh, Michigan State. But I think what has become really clear is that it's Georgia. And everyone else. Yeah. It is remarkable the talent that they've accumulated there. And Kirby Smart is now... Georgia looks to be now what Alabama was, you know, for the last decade. They are just clicking and they're destroying teams and you can't score on them. They're giving up three points a game for Mm -hmm. the first three games. They went into South Carolina and just destroyed them. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. What I wanted to talk about is the fact that I think it's very important that three college football teams that are past champions that are that are part of the lore of college football that have been on the downside for 10 20 years it's crucial that they become relevant and successful for college football here's why ratings are down um Attendance is down across the board because it has become so regionalized. You have the SEC, predominantly Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, uh, and then you have Ohio State, really, and now Michigan. But other than that, you don't have a whole lot that's going on across the country. So west of the Mississippi, there's very, very little interest of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I think Lincoln Riley going to USC and USC really starting off strong. They're now up to five or six in the polls, depending on where you look. I think that's critical because the West Coast has been irrelevant for over 10 years. And you're talking about a colossal market. That LA market is a huge market. So the fact that USC is bouncing back, I think is critical. The University of Texas, I think they're another one marquee name Earl Campbell Ricky Williams national championships with Vince Young I think that's another program with tons of money tons of clout that has been down in recent memory they almost beat Alabama last week they look to be building something again with Steve Sarkeesian and of course my Miami Hurricanes they of five national championships although none in the last 20 years again when we're well, not even growing up. I mean, we we're already I was already working in my job. The Miami Hurricanes were dominant for a 14-year period where every year it was four or five guys going into the NFL. There is more um, LF, 
NFL Pro Bowlers from Miami than almost any other place, if not any other place. Hall of Famers with Miami Hurricanes are mounting, but nothing has really happened in the last 20 years. And I think college football is better when the Hurricanes are good, when USC is good. So you have a West Coast team that's solid, and then you have a a non-SEC East Coast team uh, in Miami that's dominant, and then you have a team from the second biggest state in the Union in Texas that is dominant. I think if those three teams can continue to build behind Lincoln Riley, behind Steve Sarkeesian, behind Mario Cristobal, I think that that's going to be better for college football as a whole because honestly, unless you're from Tuscaloosa or Athens, Georgia, or from Clemson or from Ohio State, Are you really interested when it gets time to the college football playoffs? Because it's the same teams for for eight years now. And I personally am tired of that. I'm looking for more representation. I would love the West Coast to be represented with USC. And of course, I want my Miami Hurricanes to be dominant as we bide our time until that 12-team playoff comes in. But we have to do something. We don't have to, but I think the the overall success of college football will be more interesting and financially better for all if we have the mount the 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 big stars of years past come back up and become national championship contenders again USC looks like they're a year away. Their offense is already clicking on all cylinders. My Miami Hurricanes went into Texas A&M yesterday, gave them all they could handle, dominated statistically, but some fumble punts and some key turnovers. They could not win in Texas A&M, but physically, for the first time in 20 years, physically, they were able to stay toe-to-toe with an SEC power. That bodes well for Miami going forward under Mario Cristobal. So, that's my thought, guys. You know, from uh, from the college football perspective, we need more than Alabama and Georgia because that's boring. And that looks like what's going to happen again this year, possibly. Yeah. Another yeah. Georgia-Alabama game for the championship. And uh, that's a snoozer. Yeah, and throw in the, the Ohio States there. They're always representative uh, over the last several years. I'm going to throw in one more team over there that has a big, big following. And I, this is big... Uh, prior to the turn of the millennium, that, that is Notre Dame. Yes. No, Notre Dame has all those Heisman Trophy winners, all those national championships, and they have been irrelevant. And then right now, I mean, I don't think they're going to be relevant this year. They're one and two. They um, barely beat California. Yeah. They lost their they lost their uh, um, their quarterback for the season last week, and then they lost their coach. You know, he's now at LSU. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think Notre Dame has the grandest name of all. Yeah. But the problem with Notre Dame, I think, is that the fact that they are still an independent. And having that, being an independent, I think, is going to be a challenge for them. Um, from a recruiting perspective, from just just from a relevance, because they're out of these conference championship games. But I think college football would love for them to be relevant. And they almost were. I mean, they were in the playoff hunt for the last couple of years on their under Brian Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, not going to happen this year, but who knows? They're recruiting well. If that can continue. And one thing with Notre Dame, Manti Teo came back to Notre Dame for the first time since leaving there 10 years ago. The reception was fantastic. You guys remember we talked about the Manti Teo Netflix special a couple of months ago. Um, what a difference that made because he was treated as a hero coming back to Notre Dame over the weekend, oh, which is nice to see. Yeah, that was that's that's terrific. I, I didn't know how they would take that because, yes, he was uh, he was uh, lauded over there. But boy, that 
that exit was uh, something that you kind of didn't want to happen. So I'm glad that they that, like that that the fans were able to do that for him. And I think for him, he's able to just move on with his life right now and and, and do some good things because the guy has a good heart. So. Gang, you listened to the Sports Rivals with Ernie and Monty. It was another crazy week in the NFL. Ernie, little disappointed that the Steelers lost, but they Very. didn't lose any ground in the AFC North. Everyone is 1-1 one one except the Bengals at 0-2, but Ernie is never going to be satisfied with that. He wants the Steelers to win. And I think what's a cause for concern for you is the offense. Can yeah. that is that fixable, or how long does it take for Kenny Pickett to take the reins. If he, if they don't win this week, he's in there next week. It's with, with with a short week. I don't see Kenny Pickett coming in. But after that, they got a week and a half to implement him into the offense. If Trubisky cannot win against the Browns, look for a change. Yeah, it's not even just winning. It is because he won against the Bengals. He's got to, that offense has to be better because yeah. they can't, there's no TJ Watt. Yeah. The offense is going to have to do their part. And then my Rams almost gave it away against the Falcons after going up 31-10. Hopefully Matthew Stafford has gotten his 17 games worth of interceptions over with in the first two. <laughs> Five interceptions in two games. That's just crazy. And the University of Hawaii Rainbow Warrior football team wins well, their first well, not and hopefully, defeated. <laughs> hopefully not only game of the season. Timmy Chang wins one with a bow. So gang, check us out on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. And until next week, your sports rivals are out. for joining us on the sports rivals podcast check us out on social media at sports rivals podcasts on instagram and at sports rivals pod on twitter where you can share topics you'd like to hear